got an alert that we're live so it's like <laughs> you know, do it but it was like kind of cool well, okay let's go live good morning uh, let's do it let's do it it's a <laughs> what wonderful a wednesday super super day yesterday good morning bob goldfarb i am wearing a goldfarb today speaking engagement hope you like it hope you remember it it's one that uh, hadn't worn hadn't brought out this is not like one you wear all the time but it feels great Good morning, Jesse Frank. To the, oh, to the Jesse's home. great. I, I follow Jesse. Jesse's just in the gym being a beast. Great, <laughs> great to have you here. Really, really excited. So, so boys, um, what a day yesterday. Um, great day. Yesterday. I, I totally enjoy the opportunity to not only be together but learn together. Yeah. Was was super super crazy good. No, it's like I would encourage other organizations to search out online learning events and do it together as a group because there is a unique opportunity for you to talk during the presentation. You know, normally if you were sitting in like a lecture hall or you were going to the event, you kind of look like an asshole if you're like, you know, talking to somebody during the presentation, but we were able to talk about what was being shared, give our own insights and roundtable ideas as they came up throughout the presentation, which I thought made it even an even better opportunity. So I, I agree with you. I think one of the things was we made a commitment to pay for it. So, right. you know, once you've bought in, you got skin in the game. You yeah. got, okay, we're all going to be at the office. You know, we did some strategic work with Howie Craw yesterday. Um, uh, Shay, do you have that picture? There's uh there's Mr. Craw, you know, the epitome of a consummate professional who said, I got to polish up my game. You know, you guys are talking and walking the walk. Help me do that. So that was super fun. Shout out to uh, how we doing it, because that was a great session. And then let, let, that led us right into this uh, strategic C-suite forum, which I will talk about after uh, we wake up. But then I ended the night... Um, and please stick around because the keynote speaker was Ed Bastian. If you don't know who Ed Bastian, besides having one of the greatest names ever, yeah, share who he is and we will share what he had to say. And it was absolute bullseye nuggets. Um, but I had dinner and this is the greatest part about what I do. Um, it was introduced to Jen Homer a couple, you know, two years ago, Jen comes uh, inbound to, you know, looking for coaching services. We start coaching. We have this great relationship. We are, she has referred us to basically everybody in Cincinnati. We are big news in Cincinnati. Well, she was in town visiting some friends. She said, I want to break away and have dinner with you guys. And her and her husband, John, just were, uh, and it just, it was, it's so good to be friends. You know? Yes. I love um, that. And no, you're at Calouse. Calouse looking very good in the background. And stuck to my diet in a restaurant, lean pork chops, very dry, little uh, asparagus. We had this conversation, though, about, you know, people approaching, you know, you on LinkedIn and saying, oh, I'd like to add you to my professional network. 
Like, what's the difference? And like you talked about how good it is to be friends. Like Jen is a personal and professional relationship. Like Hayden, who comes in this morning, Hayden is a personal and professional relationship. We've got business pitched. We're always looking to do things together, but we also work out the gym together. And we could go have a beer at any one of the taverns around town and have a great time together. So, you know, I don't understand the deciphering of, you know, why you would ever try to have separate silos for your relationship. And we continue to build the wall of shame on a daily basis. It's uh, <laughs> actually comical. I actually got hit on the other day. You know, it's like, uh, hey, what are you doing this beautiful night? So it's like. Crazy, crazy. Let's get to wake up music because the show is packed with actionable content. Here we come. just to throw it out there, send us your stuff. You know, I, I want all of you, you know, occasionally Lori Salarillo will go, oh, this one goes in the, the wall of shame. And if everybody sends us, I'd like to see what you're getting and have that conversation. And it's, it's great validation for us that you guys are recognizing it. You know, like if you're recognizing stuff as this is a hall of fame or this is a hall of shame, send it so that we can shout those people out or obviously shame those people. Well, it's actually show. ridiculous. It's so ridiculous that we still have to do that. I'm speaking today to the organization BOMA, and they want to really get into you know LinkedIn. I'm going to still keep it top level, but people just don't get it. You know, it's yeah. just crazy. Um, so this, this uh, strategic C-suite forum comes inbound, we decide to do it. Uh, Shay, show me the picture of us yesterday. Um, all of us dialed in, and as, that's Ed Bastian, as he was talking, um, we were breaking it down. We were like, and he went out on a limb on some stuff that I thought that was crazy, crazy controversial, but we'll break it down. the background of Ed, though? Can you, well, can you let everybody know who that, Ed is? Before we yeah. do that. Okay, so I'll tell you. Ed is the CEO of Delta Airlines. Let me, let me give you a little backdrop, right? Just a little bit. Pre-pandemic, February, highest revenue month ever in their history. And then 60 days later, 5% of that and losing $100 million a day. So lots of lessons to learn from this guy. Learning is key. I'm going to play some motivational music first because this story is unbelievable. Show me the motivation of
that, that event, a thousand musicians got together to tell, to ask Dave Grohl to come play in Sassana, Italy. And That's so they said, you are producing the world's largest rock and roll band. And they played that song. How that cool sick. is that? That was sick. Yeah, it was very cool. So it's so amazing, the power of people. How bad did they want it to him to come? And that, to gets, that gets people's attention. So obviously I went on the Learn to Fly, Ed Bastian, Learn to Fly, uh, Mark, do you have his bio in front of you? You want? I don't. Know? That's why I was going to ask you to give me his background because I know that he grew yeah. up in go ahead. Poughkeepsie, New York. Of Poughkeepsie. course, he's a New Yorker. Of course, right. he's a New Yorker. <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> so, right. um, so, so he he's born to uh, uh, his mom and dad had nine kids. Um, he winds up going to college for accounting. He has a career through Price Waterhouse. Not Ivy League though, like not no. not a, like this oh. is the CEO of Delta who like not not a not a golden road. Bastion worked for Delta Airlines, but like down in the ranks. In 2005, he became senior vice president of Acuity, uh, Acuity Brands. So he left the the CEO at that time. Went called him up and said. You belong here as the heir apparent. Six months later, he came back. 2016, he becomes the CEO. And so what an amazing career this guy has had in six years. He's an influential influential dude, a great speaker, lives in Atlanta and Florida. Yeah, um, and so um, let's dive into- and So his success was building Delta to the highest revenue that Delta had ever had. And then you want to talk about dealing with adversity. You talked about it. Within 60 days, they were at 5% of that revenue. $6.5 in tickets refunded and a, losing $100 million a day. That is like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know that like I would be able to sleep or like even talk <laughs> if that was happening. Great comment by Jonathan Aaron. So I guess there's hope for us accountants, which if you look into his story, Jonathan, when he worked at Price Waterhouse, he uncovered a huge fraud that was going on within the company and became a partner that way because he did that. Um, but so a lot of his conversation yesterday was about dealing with that moment. And it was a lot about dealing, you know, being a leader within hard times. But I thought one of the things that he really focused on was we had one word that was our North Star for how we were going to get out of the pandemic. And it was protect. And so he, the core value was protect. To go back to what we talked about yesterday, the core value was protect. And he said, what does protect mean to our employees and our customers? What does protect mean to the health of our business and our cash flow? And what does protect mean to the future of Delta Airlines? And he used that word to guide the strategies with employees with you know the cash flow and with the future investments for the company. And it was an unbelievable conversation to hear him talk about that. So very clearly I'd follow that guy into a burning building. He was, he was dead on, straight forward, had calm, a calm about him that I really liked. But he even got granular and said, listen, our mechanics are the, you know, very important to us. And now there's no planes flying. 
we're not going to say goodbye. Right. We had to figure out a way to pay people through this whole thing. We had to get people who were vulnerable to stay at home. We had to do all this stuff. And I was like, wow, you know, the empathy that he was sharing that yep. went on in a time of absolute chaos. That business, airline and cruise, probably worse than any other business, got just shut down. You know, he's fighting with the government saying, hey, man, you got you to do something here. You know, yep. you, you can't lose the airline industry. You know, so all of the little stuff he did. And then as they came out of the pandemic, he said, we're shutting down every middle seat. He was the first to say, we're just not going to that, that. That, that stayed with that core value of protect. He was like, we're not going to sell middle seats. We're going to make sure that people feel comfortable, people working on the plane, people traveling on the plane feel comfortable. So that that strategy of protect, that core value of protect bled into all those strategies, which keep it simple. He didn't go, oh, my God, we're losing hundreds of millions of dollars a day. We have to figure out how to save everything and have all of these different things going on. He said, what's the core value here? What's the thing we got to do? We got to protect. We got we to gotta protect everything that's happening and build the strategy off that one word that's very, very strong and very, very simple, right? Like I go back to my coaching days in football. We, I had two words, simple and effective. Everything that we were going to do on special teams was going to be simple and effective. So as I started getting into the brainstorming and game planning for the week, it was a great marker for me to go, does this fit into simple and effective? Not really. It's not really simple. It's super complicated. We got to teach all these things. Throw it out. We're not doing it. And that kept me in line, which helped us be successful. So, so many things that came up just about the pandemic and then we'll move on you know, to other stuff. But the fact that he was not willing to sacrifice the future for the present. Never got short his eye on it and said, at some point, we're going to pull out of this. <clears throat> I don't know where or when, but I got to take care of today at the same time I'm not, you know, destroying tomorrow. That's unbelievable clarity at a time when the bullets are flying around you. And that's a real test of leadership because, you know, they have 90,000 employees it was easy for people to just go off the rails and go, oh, you know, at the end, it's over, you know. So trying to keep people together. And he used the term that, to your point, very simple. He said it was absolutely imperative that I remained visible. Yep. That they saw me. They knew they could get to me. He said we had group meetings, we had, you know, layers of the company represented in a 15, you know, everybody had a voice and I was there to, to be part of it. That is not true of most leaders. And, and not only was he there invisible, but he wasn't afraid to say, I don't know. I'm not sure yet. He was, he was out there, but he wasn't putting on a facade of, I have all the answers and we're going to, you know, he wasn't pretending he was out there being authentic and genuine about what was happening, what they were going to try to do, the answers they didn't have. He was fully, fully transparent about what was happening, which I think is part of the reason the organization responded well to him is where you can see and you know that you're not getting bullshit fed to you from the top. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think we all said this yesterday, but 
it felt like we were having a beer with the guy. Right. You know, he was just, just you know, he showed up a little late. Yeah. And we're all sort of waiting. And he said, look, we were in a meeting. <laughs> what do you want to tell you? Like, a strategy meeting at that. A strategy meeting, you know, so it was like business goes on. But he sat down and he was so present, which, which I find most leaders are not. They are not where their feet are. Yeah. Most, you know, just in general, business people are all over the place. They're never where they are. He made me feel like he was talking to me. Yep. I could understand what he was saying. He didn't act like the CEO of, of Delta Airlines. I mean, we, we actually looked up what he made. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, Whole conversation you know, about his salary. Fucked up. This is how fucked up we are, man. The, the, the CEO of the NFL makes $100 million. This guy makes 12 <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, but so uh, the, another point I want to make is, you know, as he so he was visible, right? He was transparent and authentic in front of everybody. But then he talked about something about making decisions. And he had a real nugget that he dropped, which he said, decision making is a science. And he believes, you know, that everything can be taught, which I know D. Robinson pushes the ability to teach leadership as I do all the time, they are skills. They are decision-making is a skill that can be taught. But he talked about make decisions quickly, right? And make them often. Because if you make quick decisions, if you make decisions quick and often, you can constantly iterate and make more decisions to either course correct or continue to move forward. But if you don't, if you don't make a decision, dad, what do you say about not making a decision? So this is my favorite part of the whole thing. He said, um, the longer you take to make decisions, and he said, any decision, the bigger the decision becomes. That is an absolute gut punch, man, because yep. most people sit on it and it's like, oh, let's sleep on it. Let's take our time. Let's overanalyze it. Let's get paralyzed. Let's not, oh, what if, you know, and oh God, you know, Right. I was not that kind of leader. I was, but I was too much the other side. I, I was so risk tolerant. I was like, <laughs> you know, which is not smart either. You're betting right. on, you got 90,000 people that are counting on you. You have to be, you know, fiscally responsible, which he did to some degree. I mean, the numbers are so radical there, sure. but you can take that down to whether you eat the donut or not. Correct. Make a quick decision. I'm not doing it. You know, right. The longer you sit in front of the donut and dwell over it or oh, that, go back to the oh, kitchen. <laughs> right. Oh, she, you're at lunch. You got, you know, still missing that donut. You right. know? Make the decision to not do it. Done. Decision made. Move on. <laughs> and so part of what he talked about in decision making process is being very specific about what you are trying to solve. I think that's another thing is that when we struggle to make decisions, it's because we're focusing on way too many aspects of the problem, right? Get very specific, get very dialed in to fixing that one thing or making a progress or a decision and movement on that one thing, which allows you to make that quick decision because it doesn't feel as large and as overwhelming. It's, hey, let's do this one thing. Let's see what happens. And then we'll make decisions as we get more information. So, so Mark, I want you to sort of give people some perspective. You've been president of the company for two years, right? We're a small organization. 
Um, we do reasonably well, but there are decisions every day, but it's small and it's contained. Can you imagine if it was double, triple, now 90,000 people? I mean, just give me some thought. I mean, because you did make a decision for 62 people. Was it sure. a whole team or? Yeah, and, and 120. And, and, you know, like that to me is you have to have a great team around you, which is what he talked about, right? He talked about being sure that he was pushing the organization forward and not driving the organization forward, which I thought was a very good analogy, right? Like in his mind, it's his responsibility to pepper with ideas to make sure that people are challenging status quo and that he's pushing the people to make the changes as opposed to driving the bus saying, these are are the changes we're going to make and ordering them to be done as he goes down the line. So to me, if you're going to have to make decisions at that scale, and he said this at the end of the talk, which I thought was so perfect because we had talked about it on the huddle. He said, you have to know what your values are. Because if you don't know what your values are, then you don't know who you are and you can never be, you can never make decisions or go anywhere. So for me, I know what our core values are. I know what our brand is. And he talked about that when he talked about people and hiring is he said, you have to attract people to the brand and to the purpose, which I was like, no wonder this guy is doing oh, wow. A CEO who gets it, that he understands that the brand is important and that he embodies that brand and that what exists within that brand is the purpose. And that's what's going to drive people there. And that's his core, you know, foundation of how he makes decisions. So speaking of that, first of all, um, I am a proud Delta flyer. I'm a platinum, you know, all the, the numbers and stuff. When the pandemic happened, they suspended they knew it was a problem. They suspended it and said they'll pick it up when yep. the, everything gets lifted. So I didn't lose any momentum from frequent right. flying, which was an immediate decision to put the, they could have easily said, Hey, it is what protect, it is. Protect the customer. It's and that they, word. It's that word showing up. So it made me feel really good. I'm connected to the brand. I think they're the best airline. Do they mess up? Yeah. And so do we. Every brand messes up. I think. It's the way you handle the mess up, mess up that you know speaks to your values. So he dropped a lot of bombs. He was great. We actually get the video of it next week. I'm going to dissect it even more and put it into some of our coaching because yep. it's fantastic. But when we speak about values, tomorrow is my virtual coffee with Colonel Waldo Waldman, um, who is the value master. And, and Hayden talks about this. Guys in in the service, Top Gun, guys that listen and learn and live by that creed every day. It's instinctive, man. They know you got to make a decision. He called it, um, Dave Burke called it immediate action. Okay, this is happening. He said, I've been out of the, I've been out of it. I've been retired for 10 years. Exactly what to do. I know exactly what to do. Yeah. That's an incredible skill set. That didn't come from anything other than practice learn it's a learn skill so great um, stuff no, no surprise that ed bastion is flying he's learned to fly guy from another industry boom <laughs> he was we weren't so hot on the other two speakers that's why we spent all of our time talking about ed today <laughs> so awesome stuff great huddle this morning thank you guys 
Hopefully, we'll see you later on this afternoon at Boma. If not, we'll see you so. Wait, so, so to some of the people that are coming, I know Sherry Cedar will be there. Mark and Sherry Cedar. I know Lori. Um, uh, sorry, Joni Knight will be there. I know Devin will be there. So hopefully, there'll be other huddlers. If you're not, we'll give you the the the, uh, the rundown tomorrow. Go out and learn something today. Learn one thing, digest it, and then share it with somebody else. Let's go. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart speak. My friends keep telling me to leave this. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down, let's get down to business. I'll give you one more night, one more night to get this.